I'd been nervous for months about the approaching end of college. Put simply, I didn't want to go home for good. Mother, who seemed more frail among her orchids and gardenias these days than I'd remembered her being before, only drooped extra wearily if, while on vacation, I ever actually answered her question about what it was I'd been doing while away. I'd keep my answers brief, and Huey would nod tolerantly until I fell silent, then pass me the drink he'd been concentrating on mixing as I spoke. Always a Manhattan. The first night back after which he'd make the same jovial toast, to homecoming, and then, with very visible tact, he'd start asking about the brothers and families of my new friends, raising his eyebrow only just enough to make me uncomfortable when it turned out they weren't at all what he would call marriageable. They weren't. I could see that. My friends all wanted to be writers and painters and photographers and editors. They weren't ladylike in the least. Nothing like the delicate flowers Huey would have liked me to be friends with. The husband hunters my friends and I laughed at so much for just marking time till their weddings. Thank God he didn't realize, at least, quite how shockingly different to his our political ideas were. Or even to think in those early months of 1937 that girls might have any valid opinions at all. As soon as the ceremony of welcoming me back for a vacation was done, he and mother would resume their complaining about the New Deal and pro-convention campaigning dinners and Republican comeback soirees and Hoover one-liners. Blessed are the young, as Huey liked to say, nodding sententiously at me after his second drink, for they shall inherit the national debt. So I did what I could to not offend when at home. I tried to keep in check the critical faculty that college was developing in me, and to quell the suspicion I'd begun to find coming into my head whenever Mother was having one of her querulous fits that she might not feel ill at all, but just be play-acting for attention, so that we'd all jump, as we always did, and whisper and tiptoe and look after her. But as my college time went on, a kind of sourness seemed to creep into our relationship all the same— There'd been a lot of talk, for instance, during my last college Christmas, about the shape my twenty-first birthday celebrations should take at Easter. It started on the evening of the day I'd seen the lawyer and been pleasantly surprised at how big my settlement from father was going to be once I turned twenty-one. My first idea had been to throw a party and invite my college friends, but no one in the family had responded to my suggestion. A family dinner at a restaurant with some of the cousins was what was decided on. But what to wear? When, before Easter, my mother took me shopping for a dress, the saleswoman took one look at me and put me straight into heels and a shocking pink halterneck evening gown in some new industrial silky stuff, and gasped when I stepped out in it, feeling six feet tall and swaying like a movie star. My mother gasped, too, but less approvingly. Haven't you got something prettier? she asked. We left ten minutes later with a flowery, flouncy chiffon thing in light blues and greens in what felt an oppressive silence. My mother looked pained for hours. I felt obscurely guilty. We spent the rest of our day together in various stores while she tried on gown after gown and listened fretfully to the praise of sales clerk after sales clerk. When we were alone, 
I dreamed up little stories about the cousins or the movies to tell her, and asked nervous questions about her friends and committees, all to earn her forgiveness. It was evening, and we were home and dressed for dinner, waiting for Huey, before she relented, and the look of suffering finally left her face. She ruffled my hair and smiled her beautiful smile, and to my tremendous relief said tenderly, My baby, and such a pretty girl. We need to sort out your hair. I didn't want anything done to my hair. Why bother? I was happy with my hair falling over my shoulders and held to one side by a clip, and there was no need for extra curling as it was naturally wavy. But mother, who had always favored complicated chignons and Grecian tendrils of hair falling past her ears, cheered up at this new thought.